senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 76. And what are we, three weeks out from when we took our, our little break so I could do some minor modifications to uh, to the website, seems, do some updates. Seems and, about right, yep. Yeah. So for that, I decided, yep, we got to shut down production for an entire week because I'm going to need a whole weekend just to press the update button and to do all the backups and shit that come along with it. But it, it ultimately came down to press the update button, install a plugin, and press update on that that i gave myself a weekend to do this week looking for some shit to do i decided you know it would be a nice little side project just something that would take very little time let me overhaul the entire website (laughs) just rip up the entire way that it looks and reacts and add a whole bunch of new cool functionality to it and let me update the player that people can play the podcast on while i'm in there and and while i'm at it you know what I don't like the way that the podcast is being distributed. I think I want to get a new CDN and let me figure out how I can migrate every episode we've ever done across two websites into a whole new distribution level. Yeah, let me just do that and then, uh, yeah, get ready for a show on Sunday. For much of the year, I get up uh, ungodly hour, five. and uh, That is, in fact, ungodly. It is, and because I need to be out the door generally by 6.30 uh, you will lie in bed and not be woken by anything short of me standing over you, nagging you to get up at like 6.20. Oh, trust me. I know. <laughs> I took vacation last Thursday. And for the first time in about 10 months, you got up at 5.30 on your fucking own. Well, it's because I was still <laughs> in the middle of the project. I woke up and rolled over. <laughs> was awake just long enough for my brain to engage that's all it takes (laughs) just enough to go okay what's going on oh yeah shit i still have stuff to do and we got a show on sunday and i'm done and yeah sure enough i'm up at 5 20 trying to work the coffee machine (laughs) i'm not real good at it it turns out i mean i by the time i got up uh which was about an hour later yeah you'd found pants and i don't know whose pants they were (laughs) And there I, was coffee. <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure where that was obtained. It, look, I'm not going to answer these questions about a lawyer. I fucking told you before. It's not going to happen. You were still sober, I think. <laughs> that I deny. I fucking deny that. <laughs> yeah, we managed to get the thing done. So do us a favor. Check out our, our home website. I'm not sure where you get the show, but check, it's crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. If you've looked at it once or twice, we had you know this look and set of CSS and themes that we used from the day we started. As... Very, very sort of old school WordPress. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's exactly as it was when we started as a written blogging website about comics in 2011. It's completely different. There's some cool stuff there. A lot of different ways you can subscribe to the show. And I work like a son of a bitch at 5:20 in the morning with somebody's <laughs> pants and some form of. Of, of hot beverage. Yeah, also, the distribution model is kind of cool. We were doing everything directly from the website, but we've noticed we've had a few problems over the months getting errors because everything came off the website, which is yeah. not the fastest thing in the world. So if you've ever had a problem getting one of these shows, 
Now everything's being distributed from a cloud distribution network. It should be fast as fuck. Are we in the cloud? Rob? We're we're in the cloud. Oh God! It's we're in the matrix. We're uh I don't know we're we're hacking Whopper. We're we're at NORAD. Are we're, we Adoro? We're launching missiles of some kind. <laughs> God damn it, I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd do any good. I don't know what we're doing, but <laughs> supposedly, you know, for the amount of money that we're paying for it, you, kind listener, should be able to get the show in seconds if you ever had a problem before. So we're kind of psyched about all the, the changes that we've made on the home front. Listener, you're probably getting this through iTunes or some shit. Had no idea we had a web page. Well, <laughs> we do, and please, go fucking look at it. 5.20 yes. in the morning, god damn it. 5.20 <laughs> In the morning. On his own, all by his lonesome, without any help. <laughs> oh, I had help. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> there's all kinds of help out there. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yes, all right, there's that. Uh, the other thing uh, I wanted to bring up before we get into the, the show proper, San Diego Comic-Con is coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, as we've announced before, this year we're not going to be able to be there. I am still... Trying to negotiate, we we should have somebody who's been a guest before on the scene for the whole convention. We're trying to arrange to get some interviews, uh, have her guest um, on some days, all days. The problem is, if you've ever been to San Diego, it is such a an energy suck. Yes. You're up at weird hours and constantly on the go, and your ability to do anything at the end of the day is purely contingent on... What happened earlier in, say, the 48 hours before that? <laughs> yes. And how close you are to booze. There were plenty of nights over our years at San Diego where it's, what is the closest bar? Or better yet, can we get beer sent to the room so I can just sort of rest a beer on my chest and tilt it into my mouth slowly and just drift off almost immediately? Oh, the amount of shitty wine that I drank because it was it, the largest box I could find at the Rite Aid. <laughs> Rite Aid box wine. <laughs> That's San Diego in four words, just about. That, yeah, it's like, okay, so I'm too tired to do anything that involves leaving. I'm just going to lie on the bed and, and put this on the headboard on a slow drip with my mouth open. I thought about getting just surgical tubing and just like snaking it down your nose, which is a, an invention I'm going to patent. I own that now. I could make thousands at San Diego yeah, if we could get tickets. You know, just take the whole box and like a straw, jam it into the bag of wine like it's a friggin' Capri Sun and just sit and, and try to just be still. <laughs> Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. <laughs> so, yeah, it's while, while trying to figure out how we can get some coverage from Comic-Con, it's too early for us to figure out exactly how often and when we will have some on-the-scene reports uh, we're just trying to work out exactly how we're going to get that done. So stay tuned and keep an eye on the home website. We'll try to let people know there. Yes. You know, it, it's and, a cool new design. Go look at it. Yeah. yeah. And we'll let people know through Facebook and whatever. But we, we will have some boots on the ground. It just may, it, it may be a massive report a couple days after the convention is over, but we're hoping to have some stuff while it's actually going on. But it's hard to tell. and You'll know when we do. Yeah. For, for our budget, <laughs> uh, I, I can't pay her to do anything <laughs> in particular it's out of the goodness of her heart yes so and we appreciate it oh god we appreciate it because it's as it gets closer it is fucking killing me yes that, that we're not going I and mean, we've been we've gone every year until this year since 2006 
and it's yeah as it gets to be end of june beginning of july it's the brain starts automatically engaging of uh, okay uh do i need new equipment how are we going to pack stuff do we have a, a cat sitter and now it's those thoughts come it's like you don't have to do shit because you're staying home yep. like, god damn it would have been our tenth in a row it's it's, it's gonna be okay hon i don't know how it's gonna be okay you have beer. I have beer. I'm going to need a hell of a lot more than this. I'm going to be utterly anesthetized <laughs> for the entire week just to keep my sanity. Okay. We'll uh, batten the hatches down here at Shea Us. Well, yeah, we, we've also talked about, okay, if we can't get the big one, the quality convention, we'll just go to as many other conventions as we possibly can. So yeah, we're, we're looking at at least one other that we may pack in other than Boston Comic Con. And by God, we're going to cover the shit out of that just to make me feel better about Miss in San Diego. We we can do all of these things. Yes, we can. Because, yeah, now they're starting to announce the panels and everything that's coming out of oh, it. Oh, I they... know. You you look at the the screen. I, I, see, I see you trying to dab away the tears. Yeah, just... I, I've not been able to force myself to look at. I think the entire schedule is out as of yesterday or today. Yeah, I think it is. And I've not been able to force myself to look at the entire thing. I just don't have it in me. Because, again, it's this is the time of year. Yeah, all right, let's start planning and putting stuff together. And I've looked at a few of them. And there's one in particular that I'm kind of amazed. I would have been kind of amazed like a couple of weeks ago that I, I'm actually sad I'm going to miss it. Mm-hmm. But having looked into it and and gone back and looked at some other... Heroes Reborn, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sequel, 12-issue, 12-issue, 12-episode sequel reboot something yeah of uh of the heroes show uh, they're gonna have a presence on sunday at comic-con okay at hall h really yeah and it was one of those things where i sort of went along with the herd for a long time of yeah oh yeah heroes it fell apart in the last few seasons and it's one of those things that's sort of out of everybody's consciousness i think my reaction i don't think it made it longer than three seasons no i made it to four Did you make it to four the second season was truncated because of the writer's strike in yeah. 2007 2008 yep so that that's where it kind of started to go off the rails but it, it made it to the fourth season okay it, it's one of those things i had the same reaction i think a lot of people did when they announced heroes reborn a few months ago it's like oh really because it didn't kind of go out on the best note yeah and it's sort of fallen out of favor but a combination of okay it's a hero's thing and honestly part of it is just filthy ugly nostalgia yeah which is not the way to go through life but sometimes it works <laughs> out for you sometimes it does it's looking back heroes was a big part of our first convention it was we stumbled into this panel and having no idea what it was well we we knew really? what it was well I mean, not not really. <laughs> we knew there was going to be a show on NBC that fall. It was going to be called Heroes, and it was going to be something about superheroes. Yeah, you know, we knew we wanted to see it, but it was also that was our first big convention of any kind, let, let alone our first San Diego. So it was right. 2006, and we'd been to conventions locally, but yeah, you know, at least in the greater Boston area, the Northeast conventions were always the 15 closest comic stores to the venue all had tables. Yeah. They had one table full of like bootleg anime and he'd give you hente if he asked real nice and, you know, answer, you know, answered if, are you a copyright? And, uh, he had to have the password, something like sucker. <laughs> yeah. There'd always be like three tables of college students hawking their homemade indie comics that they were printing at staples on like a fucking <laughs> mimeograph machine and sniffing the ink to see if they could get a high when they were done. 
and the only people that were there were in superhero costumes were being pushed around in fucking strollers. It yeah. was you went there to buy comics, and that's what the convention was. Comics or assorted other things. I think the most exotic thing we saw at any Boston convention was one of the times they tried to do a bigger one in the early 2000s and there was a dude selling homemade force effects lightsabers. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but that that was as exotic as it got and the next table was selling like VHS copies of The Flash <laughs> from 1990 before it got a proper DVD release. That was yeah. the kind of shit that you got. So San Diego was our first big convention and yeah, the idea that at one of these things you could just walk into a room and see a TV pilot that nobody else had seen was something that was really fucking exciting at the time. You know, in 2006, <laughs> you could walk into Hall H if you were willing to wait until halfway through the, the panel before the one you wanted to see. So right. it was really exciting at the time. Now it would be baffling. It's like, really? I could just walk in? <laughs> oh, there's a whole generation of people who don't know what it's like to just be able to walk into Hall H. Yeah. Well, this wasn't <laughs> even Hall H. This is in but, yeah, si this was... 6 BCF. Right. One of, the, one of the larger rooms. Yeah, there's Hall H, there's Ballroom 20 is second biggest, and I think six, and I always fuck up the letters, BCF I think is what it I is. I think it or is. DCF or something like that. It's but, the first six. Yeah. I think. No, second six. Whatever. We're not there. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hold it together. One of us fucking has to. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can be strong. All right. Again, one of us. One of us has to. <laughs> Yeah, you have to kind of imagine, and that was the first time we went to any kind of event like that yeah. at Comic-Con. So you got to imagine two people in like their, their early, mid-30s. It's the first time we had money to travel anywhere, right? let alone you know a big convention. And you walk in a room, and there's Jeff Loeb <laughs> telling everyone in there. Yeah, and the, the crowd wasn't even half. It, it, was, it was more than half full, but the place wasn't completely full. Right. Because we could walk in to give an idea of how sort of under the radar this, this really kind of was. Yeah, you walk in and there's Jeff Loeb saying, the people in this room, you're the only ones who are going to see this pilot. It's never going to be shown anywhere else. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's like, holy shit, that's exciting. I'm seeing something I'm not going to get anywhere else. Yeah. And then, yeah, to sort of re-familiarize myself at least a little bit with the show, it's uh, I pulled out my DVD set I got for season one. And yeah, what's the first special feature on the first disc? The fucking Comic-Con pilot. Yeah. pilot. Damn it. Curse you, Loeb! You tricked me, you son of a bitch! Well, at the time, they may not have realized that they were going to be popular enough to get a DVD out there. <laughs> yeah. And that was the funny thing. Because, again, we did watch that that unaired pilot to sort of get back into the, the spirit of it before we decided we were going to talk about Heroes Reborn. So, yeah, I have the first print. It was when it first came out on DVD. And before it would even let us get to the menus... We had to sit through three commercials <laughs> for HD DVDs. Oh, God. And one for the Nissan Versa. <laughs> it was like cracking open a can of pure uncut 2006. It was, oh, I remember when people had hope for HD DVD. Jesus. Last time I saw an HD DVD, the owner of our local comic store bought a secondhand player in like 50 movies and was selling the whole nut for like $75. Jesus. And that was like two years ago. I think people who own Betamax look at people with HD DVDs and just sneer at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never saw it's the only one I, I saw in the wild, except you know Best Buy when they were trying to hawk them. Yeah, I never knew anybody who actually owned one. So it was just it was kind of funny to see. Oh, Hot Fuzz is coming out on HD DVD. <laughs> Thank you, but do not want. Yeah, and you sort of forget that it had that kind of buzz to it afterwards because yeah that was 2006 2007 
they moved the panel to ballroom 20. Right. And we couldn't get in, could we? Well, or yeah. We? No, remember. we couldn't because, yeah, that was our second convention. So we thought felt like we knew everything. And so, <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll head up there like 45 minutes ahead of time. And nope. <laughs> the line was around the entirety of the interior of the fucking building. You couldn't get near it. Right. It was that big a phenomenon at the time. So, yeah, it's I had a soft spot for it that I sort of buried just like everybody else. I mean, looking back, our band in Rock Band 2 was the Hiro Nakamura experience. That's right. That's right. And back with, in, with its with its uh, triumphant album, Ando's Got a Posse. Yeah, because back in the... <laughs> Back in the day when Rock Band 2 was like the biggest game in the world, you could order tour t-shirts for your Rock Band characters. And yeah, it's a, we did it for our band and they were touring behind the album Ando Has a Posse, a <laughs> rock opera. <laughs> and the tour was called the Save the Cheerleader, Save the World Tour 2008-2009. Oh, we were adorable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we still are. I still say the Hiro Nakamura Experience is an excellent band name, and I will stand behind that. It absolutely is. <laughs> it, it may be an excellent podcast title. We'll see how the rest of the show goes. <laughs> Heroes does get kind of a bad rap now, and there are some good reasons for that. I mean... Yes. The writer's strike flat out blew season two out of the water. Yes. I mean, the first season... Let's start with the first season. The first season of Heroes was absolutely... It was tight. Now, it was however many episodes it was, you know, 20 or 22. But, yeah, almost every episode have a, had a cliffhanger and a mystery that was resolved relatively quickly in the next episode. So it always felt like, okay, I'm ending on, I want to see what happens next. And they fucking paid off on it. Now, at the time, Lost was the biggest show on TV. And it had the exact opposite reputation of, here's a mystery. We'll probably fucking forget about it before the finale, yeah. but... Here's a mystery. Oh, now we're going to plant seeds for this other mystery, plus smoke monster. Yeah, plus polar bear, plus where's Walt? Walt! <laughs> Walt! Walt! But a Mystery puppy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. His real name was Vincent, but we yes. decided his name was Mystery on the first episode yes. of Lost. <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of the... X-Men style, okay, we're getting powers and sort of learning how to use them, and some people want them and some people don't, and some people fell by the wayside as it happened. That first season was really good with a singular villain leading up to that big, uh, some square or park in New York yep. confrontation where he's taken out. And it was, okay, this is a great single season of television. Yeah. The problem is, I think that's all anybody fucking planned for. Then it's like, oh, shit, we're going to do this again? Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if Tim Kring and Jeff Loeb had a plan beyond the first season. I, I really don't. <laughs> I think they flat out said that they, they didn't. Because, I mean, what were the odds that, <laughs> that a superhero show would be that big? True, true, and... And certainly, there there was no reason why they should think it would be big. Well, it was... I mean, that that's the other thing when it's easy to look back and say, oh, Heroes, it fell apart. When it hit... Yeah, that was 2006, 2007. Yeah. If you picture what the geek world was like, th there was a very real chance that all the ground that got gained with X-Men and Spider-Man, that could have easily ground to a complete halt. Because right around that time, yeah, Batman Begins had come out. It had come out in 2005. 
but also in 2005, the other big ones were Constantine and Electra and fucking Fantastic Four, which nobody gave a shit about. No. You know, in, in the summer of 2006, the big superhero movies were X-Men The Last Stand, yep. which made a pile of money, but that's nobody's favorite X-Men movie. No. And that includes Wolverine fucking Origins, which is nobody's favorite X-Men movie, except you, you have a soft spot for it. Well, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed about two thirds of it, <laughs> which is fine. And then, then yeah, the last portion of the movie is problematic on a variety of levels. But we're not talking about that right now, <laughs> right? the The point is, it didn't. It made a lot of money, but it it didn't make anybody happy. It didn't set the world on fire. Right. Uh, Iron Man had just been announced. Yep. Iron Man got announced in the spring of two thousand six, and comic fans were excited because. Yeah, right around the same time, they they hired Favreau, and he quickly announced Robert Downey Jr., so comic fans were kind of excited about that, but I, I, I know for a fact I was not the only one who, even with that casting, was like, nobody is, it could be a great movie, nobody's going to give a shit about Iron Man, nobody cares, I, yeah. I read comics, I barely fucking care about Iron Man, yeah. that thing is going to go over like a lead balloon, so it's, there was... Nothing in particular there to be excited about. And certainly, even if you were excited, there was no indication that this is the beginning of Marvel fucking studios. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that closing scene with the Avengers initiative, Brian Michael Bendis wrote that and they knocked it out, I think, like right toward the end of production. It was <laughs> nobody knew it was coming. And it was just a gag. It was fan service. They didn't really expect to do it. And so, then <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man 3 was also on the way at that point, but we all we already knew Venom was going to be in it, and comic book fans who'd been following the movies knew that Sam Raimi had said from the beginning he had no interest in anything but classic Spider-Man villains. He didn't have any interest in Venom. So we already knew the studio was sticking their hand in it, and I don't think anybody recognized what a... N nobody expected Peter Parker <laughs> you know, to weird ass dance with his hair in his face. Nobody was expecting that kind of movie. But we already knew it was kind of going to be compromised. Sorry, I can't unsee that now. Thanks for doing that to me. I, we now, what I do to you? <laughs> we, only, <laughs> we only watched it once. We never have to watch it again. I've never <laughs> bought it on DVD or Blu-ray, but I'm sorry. It's a thing that happens. Spider-ass dance. Spider-ass dance. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. You started it. I started it. I'm a terrible <laughs> human being. Look, just because I bring these things up. Don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it no matter what happens. I think... I, I think... will use sound effects to dig myself out of this hole. You can try. <laughs> what a bunch of a-holes. Keep digging. Um, <laughs> Go on, please. <laughs> I, I think what was cool about the first season of Heroes was that they managed to allow each of the characters for the most part to tell their story. Sometimes you run the risk with a big ensemble cast like that of, of people getting marginalized. And it's like, why do we have all of these characters? What are we going to do with them? Right. We haven't seen so-and-so in three episodes. Sure. But I, I feel like they, they gave proper time to each of, of the main characters to a degree where they got a full story. Oh, definitely. I mean, in particular, that uh, episode Company Man, where we saw how Horner yeah. and Glasses, HRG, Noah Bennett, sort of moved up to where he was as an antagonist. You know, that, that one stands out. But yeah, everybody got their moment. Everybody felt like, 
got their episode or a big chunk of an episode. They did a really good job, particularly in that first season, of moving the focus around so everybody got a piece. And I think also for the characters, and I I picked up on this when we saw the panel before the, the show officially debuted, but it, it came through when it actually made it to TV. There was an enthusiasm in that cast that was palpable when you watched the the actual program once it got on the air. Particularly Masioka, who plays Hiro Nakamura. It, there is such just joy that bubbles off that character, and I think off the actor, period, about, like, look at this cool thing. <laughs> I can teleport. <laughs> oh, definitely. I can bend time. <laughs> and it's it's easy to forget now because the poor son of a bitch has been, you know, doing the same kind of mugging on Hawaii fucking five oh of all things yeah. for the last three years. Basically playing the same character if he had a touch of Asperger's and no superpowers. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it's easy to forget that dude, he didn't start as an actor. He was an industrial light and magic special effects guy. Right. If I remember right, he sort of auditioned for this in his spare time because he, yep. he did sort of a Conan O'Brien style. You know, I think I'd like to be an actor. And so let me just try and do some stuff. And yeah, it's he was clearly as he, he was working for ILM. So he had a, at least a touch of geek in him. Mm -hmm. He's playing a fucking superhero. It, it, it comes off of him. It comes off of Greg Grunberg. <laughs> oh yeah they were all at that panel they were all the ones that were able to make it because some of them had other commitments were all wearing t-shirts that said it was like last name of actor is my hero so like somebody was wearing like grunberg is my hero oh yeah <laughs> actually yeah shit i forgot about that Panettiere is my hero I, like, <laughs> I forgot about that because earlier today i was looking on youtube to see if there were any videos of that panel and i found like three of them the longest one was a minute and a half, and it was shitty cell phone video. But picture 2006-level technology shitty cell phone video. <laughs> you can tell there are people speaking. Yeah. You can't, excuse me. You can't see shit. In 2006, I didn't even have a Razor phone. I had, like, some old-school clamshell thing. Oh, yeah. I, I had a, one of those uh, Nokia uh, bubblegum candy bar phones. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, that's old enough that we didn't have a digital camera. They were around, but they were still right. relatively expensive to get a half-decent one. So, yeah, we took really shitty cell phone pictures, and I got one of those disposable cameras that's, like, in a cardboard box. But I, I <laughs> at the time, yeah, I had, a mo I had enough money to get us to San Diego, and that was almost it. So I, I got the, it's like, oh, I save a dollar if I get one with no flash. So I <laughs> took 24 pictures, and, like, two of them, you can see what the fuck's going on. I, uh... I go back and I look at digital photos I took with my phone, which was like a VGA phone or something at that point. Yeah. And it, and it looks like I've smeared Vaseline on the lens for softcore porn. It's just this like, yeah. <laughs> like well, yellow, washed out, fuzzy. It definitely helped some of the cosplayers there because cosplay <laughs> was not quite as sophisticated in 2006 as it eventually became. Don't punch down their fans. I know. I'm just saying. But yeah, it was a revelation you... the first time I saw Fat Black Wonder Woman. I'm not going to no. lie. It was. <laughs> I'm, I'm in no way punching down. People who cosplay, hey, they're having a good time. Who gives are, a shit? They are. But now you go there and about every tenth one you see is I'm showing off my costuming skills hoping to get a job. Right. And you saw a lot less of that in 2006. It was yeah. pure fans. Who were just yeah, there was the Justice Society we saw in maybe two thousand seven. You know, dude's golden age flash costume. The pants were jeans. He was just having fun. <laughs> yeah, there was the guy that was dressed up as Cyclops and he had he had taken like shoe polish to a pair of tidy whities <laughs> So yeah. he was wearing like a, a blue unitard 
and yellow tidy whities. <laughs> yeah, it's they're having fun. I'm just the saying thing is, you didn't really realize they were tidy whities until you went and looked back at the photo later. Like, oh my god, that's underwear. <laughs> well, <laughs> you put a man in spandex in front of me. I'm maintaining eye contact. <laughs> I'm not looking anywhere. Away the from guy the head dressed neck. up as the tick who is clearly free balling in his unitard. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you had to tell me that afterwards. Because <laughs> believe me, I was not. Yeah, my eyes are laser locked. I'm very interested in what you're saying, sir. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Good times. But yeah, there was a definite enthusiasm in, in the people that, that were doing it in the panel. It was definitely fun. Certainly, there's stuff that went wrong with it. The, the season two writer's strike fucked it up. You know, remember Peter Petrelli's extra dimensional Irish girlfriend who just vanished into the mists of continuity when season three started? <laughs> yes. It's like his mission in life toward the end of season two is I will find you and save you. And then I wish I had a cricket sound effect. Yeah. Just, she's gone and she's never coming back. And he doesn't care. <laughs> Yeah, we had heroes stuck in fucking medieval Japan or some shit. Yeah. Because the writers realized they basically created a genial time god who could end the Siler threat by going back in time and just yanking back on his dad's hips at the right moment. <laughs> I mean, it's, and that's always bothered me. They kept trying to bury Hero because yeah. realistically that's a character that can solve absolutely anything. But I mean, Jeff Loeb was on staff. He's a comics guy and you... You do what you do in the comics. You fuck with his powers. Yeah. You know, jack him down a little bit. Make it so he can only travel for like a, a minute and a half at a time. Give and... him some flavor of red kryptonite. That's how you do it for Superman. Exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, go full spawn. Every time you do it, you die a little faster. So you've got to be really judicious. Yeah. And if you can't. Well, I, I think they did that, though. They Didn't they give him cancer or some weird brain tumor? Oh, yeah. I think that was in season three. Yeah, and, and even that. See, that's the weird thing. And now I want to go back and revisit this. <laughs> I want to go through it. I think it's all on Netflix. We only have the first two seasons. Yeah, because yeah, well, we watched it all the way through. I'll admit, while I got a soft spot for heroes, I felt no urge to spend seventy dollars. Oh, by the end, it was just like, oh god, what are they going to do this week? Yeah. Hey, Rob, remember when season one was on? That was really good. Yeah, but no, shh, the carney's going to say something. <laughs> of course, it it's ended a with an evil circus. Of course, it did. <laughs> How else could it have ended, for Christ's sake? <laughs> but if if they'd made his powers fatal to him, then they could have, I don't know, had him find some version of Doctor Who, who teaches him how to use it, but also teaches him that future ninja kind of shit that we saw in one of the great superhero episodes of television ever, mm. where he stops time and meets Peter Petrelli. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It does, does the whole, I have it. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. I mean, the first time we saw that, it's like, holy shit, there were stakes here. There maybe is a plan beyond the first season. Yeah. It wasn't the case. No, but, no. But I defy you to to have watched that the first time and not go, oh, shit, there's something going on here. It was fucking fun that first season. Absolutely. And then, and then the writer's strike hit, and then the writers also fell way too in love with Siler. Yeah, that was their first mistake, was bringing back Siler. Yeah. He was a good villain, and I see why he became that popular. And certainly, it's different in the comics up to a point than with actors, because you got to keep these guys under contract or, or something if you want to hold them in. Yeah. But yeah, it's they should have learned from the comics. It's, you know, 
yeah, put Zachary Kinto on some kind of loose pay or play. We'll have you back two or three times in the season to do flashbacks or shit. Yeah. To have flashbacks, keep them sort of fresh in the mind. And then, yeah, bring them back from the dead in season three or four or five or something. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been much more effective than, you know, what, by the end of season four. Wouldn't it at the end of season three, Grunberg, didn't he kill Nathan Petrelli and then Grunberg brainwashed him to make Siler think he was Nathan Petrelli because he was a senator at that point and he was in charge of the... Yeah, whatever, and the, he shape-shifted. Yeah, the, the federal anti-powers superhero registration mutant Something encampment, like that. whatever it the fuck was, was so going on. ridiculous at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it reached the point that Kring's response to every plot lull seemed to be, all right, man, who haven't we given superpowers to yet? Yeah, there was there was a, a timeline they went down where Mohinder became like this awful version of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to see where that's coming out because he's one of the ones that's coming back. That's right. That's right. Because... Then again, he wasn't doing much else as far as I can tell, but... No. <laughs> but if you're going to do superhero archetypes, eventually you have to have a Spider-Man. True. It's just, it, for it to keep happening to all the core heroes, Ando eventually got something. Yeah, he when got he, like some electricity power or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Crimson Bolt or something. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of... Uh, no, I think you're thinking right. Thinking of Jim Gunn's... James Gunn's super. <laughs> That's no, the but Crimson he, Bolt. But he, he, he gave off red flashes of some sort of energy. That's why you're thinking Crimson Bolt. Right. It definitely fell apart, but God, I look back on that first season and it's just like, and particularly, you know, I talked about the movies and stuff that were coming out at the time. Look at superheroes on television, particularly then. Yeah. You know, Justice League Unlimited was off the air. Yep. I mean, what the hell else was even, Smallville was still going. There was some, some flavor of Tiny Titans on, in place of other superhero programming on Cartoon Network. Yeah, but. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I just looked at my notes. You know what the big superhero show at 2006 was? What? Who wants to be a superhero? Stan Lee. Fuck, we watched and, that. <laughs> yeah, because there wasn't very much else to fucking watch if you were a comics geek. It's true. It was horrible. It was not good. It was painful. Yeah. What's more painful is the that was two seasons. The first season, some woman who went by the moniker Fat Mama won. Yep. The worst thing was like three years later walking to get our registration and realizing, oh, Jesus, walking in front of us, hucking, uh, no, hauling her own shit. That's Fat Mama. She's here to try. She was and, there with her kids, yeah. She's here to try to sign autographs to whoever might give a shit. And I don't know what that demographic is, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that what was available on television. So, yeah, Heroes, fucking awesome. So, having seen the new trailer, what are your thoughts? Well, all right. First of all, before we go... Also, is this something that should be coming back beyond just this nostalgia for the first season was really good? Well, look, it's a superhero property that's been lying fallow in an environment where Marvel's two movies are usually the biggest, you know, two of the three biggest movies of the year. Yeah, NBC, they, it's not like they got a lot of else going on. Yep. You know, they'd be stupid to not say, all right, let's maybe take a shot at it. Given what went wrong with the show the first time around, it makes sense to do it the way they're doing it. It's going to be, I think, 13 episodes okay, with a distinct beginning, middle, and end, and no guarantee of anything else coming afterwards. Okay. 
that plays to what Tim Kring's strength was in the first, where clearly nobody was thinking beyond that first season. So great. We're going to do this and that's it. Was Jeff Loeb even back for the second season? I honestly don't know. I don't know. Because I think part of what worked well was since Loeb was on season one and they were utilizing artwork from Tim Sale and they work really well together. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they do the Long Halloween Batman? Was that him? Oh, Long Halloween and Spider-Man Blue right. and Daredevil Yellow okay. and Hulk Gray. Yeah. And uh, finally, Captain America White is coming out uh, sometime in the next year. And they've been teasing that for at least four or five years. So they've, they've got a great partnership in, in that duo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if they're back for for this mini series, but the so we've got a 12 episode mini series and it's coming to television it's not coming to netflix it's not being distributed through some other no it's going to be on nbc it debuts in september i think the 24th okay but i'll have to check my notes on that so yeah no it's it's going to be on tv i think i think it's a good plan i think it's short enough that you can tell a solid story without having worries about things being too decompressed yeah but it's still going to get past the fact that there was a lot of shit after season one. <laughs> well, right out of the gate, not everybody's coming back. Yep. Yeah, and some of the major players aren't coming back. And that's not necessarily the worst thing either. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I know Horn Rim Glasses is coming back. Noah uh, Bennett. Yeah. Noah Bennett. Uh, Heroes coming back. Mo Hinder's coming back. I'm not sure. Uh, anybody else is or at I least they think, haven't been announced yeah i don't think um zachary kinto is coming back hayden panettieri has moved on to nashville yeah uh milo vent miglia yeah he may just have too much dignity <laughs> I, I think he's busy right now as a troll under a bridge somewhere i just <laughs> <laughs> none shall pass <laughs> he doesn't want to be a part of dialogue like my name is hiro nakamura i'm from the future and i have a message for you $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> right now he's out there somewhere hosting a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> signing autographs. Hey, he gets 80% of the door. It's a sweet gig. <laughs> My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. He says that he's an a-hole, but he's not, and I'm quoting him here, 100% a dick. I could probably do that for another hour. Hey, don't do that. Okay. We, we should actually talk. That's... Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah. Um, part of what brought this to my mind to talk about this week is, even though the news of the show came out a while ago, uh, a new trailer got put out this week, and NBC's released a synopsis of the coming season. So, Okay. What's of, the synopsis? Uh, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll quote some and just paraphrase some. A year ago, a terrorist attack in Odessa, Texas which was where the Bennetts lived, right. if you recall, uh, left the city decimated. Blame for the tragic event. Those with extraordinary abilities are in hiding or on the run from those with nefarious motives. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, there are two vigilantes operating. Luke, which is uh, Zachary Levi. Okay. So this is probably a decent place for him to land with his, his fan base. Yes. Uh, and let's see. Luke and Joanne uh, are seeking to avenge a tragic loss. Uh, Noah Bennett. Hornroom Glasses has gone off the grid, but conspiracy theorist uh, finds him and opens his eyes to the truth behind the Odessa tragedy. Uh, while in hiding, some are discovering their newfound skills. Uh, meanwhile, there's somebody who's the head of a tech company uh, with an agenda of her own, 
And yeah, here we go. Um, some are fated to cross bass with assorted heroes of the past, including Hiro Nakamura, uh, Matt Parkman, so Grunman's, uh, Grunberg's back, uh, Mohinder Suresh, and the Haitian. Oh, he was cool. He was all right, uh, among others. So I'm not sure they're leaving it open. We may well see cameos. We might. I mean, the dude who's played, I want to see Ando back, man. Hero and Ando was, that was a sweet combination. That was. They, they so, were good for each other. So yeah, just bring him back for, I don't know, one episode <laughs> or something. Or <laughs> show that he's become they're, some. They're like the, the Beatle and, and Booster of, of the Heroes world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they were fun. So I want to see Ando back. Okay. You hear me, Kring? You <laughs> motherfucker. Okay. Um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry. And I'm armed. So, yeah, they did also receive, uh, release a more extended pilot. There was nothing in there that would make any sense to pull audio okay. for the show. So uh, I didn't. All right. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, going, going through it, there's some scenes of massive destruction that I imagine are whatever happened in Odessa. Yeah. There's graffiti all in all different cities and stuff. Where are the heroes? Yeah. Yeah, that, that implies that there were actual superheroes in this universe at some point and leave it to Tim Kring to save the really exciting shit until after the show gets canceled. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's another eclipse to really hammer home that, yep, we're going to get new heroes. Uh, see some dude flying. I don't think it was Nathan Petrelli. Probably not. Well, he was dead, I think. I think so. He was dead, but Adrian Pazdar was still under contract, so we kept seeing him. It got really fucking confusing after a while. But it was Silar. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, uh, horn rim, glis- uh, horn rim glasses, I'm yep. just going to go with HRG. It's hard to say horn rim glasses That's okay. over and over again. Uh, he shows up. I still maintain, and maybe we'll finally see it here. If we'd been given enough time, he would have been the Heroes Universe Batman. Very a likely. Dude with no powers who was always one up on somebody and had some training on an infinite timeline. I think, I think maybe not Batman. I think he would have been more like their Nick Fury. That's possible, but they had enough archetypes there. Yeah. You gotta have a Batman. You have to. Even Marvel has one or two who could be Batman. You gotta have a Batman. Okay. Besides, I want Batman. Who doesn't? I like I voted to name the baby gorilla at the zoo that was just born Batman. (laughs) That's gonna go far. Batman the gorilla. Come on. That'd be awesome. It would be. We'll have to buy a gorilla and make it happen. (laughs) Because the fucking zoo is gonna do it. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, what else was in the trailer? A bunch of people who are actually using their powers in public, um, and wearing clothes that could be sort of a form of costume. So again, it may be that everybody involved has said, yeah, you know what? It's time to pull the trigger and have actual superheroes in our show called fucking heroes. <laughs> Maybe a good idea. Um, and then, yeah, future ninja hero, like straight out of that, straight out of that scene. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And have a message for you. Quit smiling, you idiot. You're supposed to be a professional. <laughs> but, yeah, fuck you, man. Even after nine years seeing that, there was such promise behind that scene. I want to see it pay off. Yeah. I still get chills when I say, oh, yeah, he could, he's going to turn into a badass eventually. Well, because the funny thing was, I, I saw the, the extended um, trailer before you did. Um, right. And and you got home and I said, hey, there's a there's a, a full length trailer up for Heroes Reborn. And you were like, eh, like, hey, let's take a look at it. And I watched you watch it. 
and yeah. and you were maintaining and yeah, it was interesting and then hero showed up at the end and the, the look of glee on your face that's it, it wasn't quite like you know the millennium falcon reveal in the star wars trailers but it was close <laughs> very little can be <laughs> but that that's what first gave me a glimmer of cuz again as much as i liked the first season it fell apart i get it yeah. I felt the same way everybody else did. Oh, you're going to do it again? You couldn't handle what you had the first time. But there was some really cool shit in that first season, and that's one of it. That's a promise that was made that was never paid off on. It's been nine years. Mm -hmm. Just have him be future ninja hero. I'm fine yeah. with that. You know, a little glimpse. He's got to say, yata. It's the <laughs> law. But yeah, it's, just let him be. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. Oh shit! I fucked it up. That's that's it's okay. That's that's the future telling you to stop. No, no, no. My name is Hiro Nakamura. <laughs> I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. They talked the bar, the whole fucking bar. That's the kind of time traveler that I want. Keep an eye out for me. <laughs> Keep them from taking the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It... Which character other than Hiro and? because they said this could be open to other folks coming back for in some capacity. Which hero other than hero would you like to see come back? Mohinder I can live without. I got a little tired of Mohinder. Seeing Spider-Man Mohinder back. Spider-Mohinder. <laughs> but um, he was never one of my favorite characters. Man. I wouldn't mind seeing Nikki again, not just because she was easy on the eyes. It was uh, her alter ego. What was it, Jessica? Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing her. You know. Yeah, that was, I think... I, I had completely forgotten how much I enjoyed that character until we watched some of those early episodes again today. Like when she she has that first reveal, seeing Jessica in the mirror with a blood stained hand, putting a finger to her lips after she's slaughtered these men who are trying to make her do webcams. Yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah the the alter ego could easily have been the Wolverine of the yeah. heroes universe, and that was always kind of cool. You know, Greg Grumberg as Parkman. How can you not like Greg he Grunberg? He was one of my Christ favorite sake. parts of that whole series. Yeah. Through the whole thing. <laughs> I, I don't want to see Kid Micah again, although I've heard he's back in this. Although it's been 10 years. What is he, he's, 20 now? Yeah, he's probably not going to be an irritating little bastard like every other guy. <laughs> he may have graduated kidneys. college at this point. <laughs> yeah, he probably honed his superpowers working with Walt from Lost. Walt! <laughs> Walt! Walt! Do you think he just goes to every casting audition and says, I'm not Jake Lloyd? <laughs> <laughs> Any smart actor should open <laughs> any audition with that. <laughs> yeah, it's... We don't have a lot of information on it. I really... But I've started to look forward to it just by going back and looking at some of the earlier stuff. There really was something there, and they fucked it up. Yes. There's no two ways about it. But the excitement level that was around that show, it's its hard to deny. We've got the two graphic novels. I mean, you know we... what the other thing too is it I feel as though like season one what what made it special also was you you were sort of inspired and had this feeling of hope that came from the characters that were heroes in the series, and it was it was such a counterpoint to like the Jack Bauer kind of heroes, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. twenty four was you know it once once twenty four hit everybody was tripping all over themselves to create like the next most like violent and dark and bleak Jack Bauer type character. And this was not that. 
yeah, you, you didn't get superhero stuff on TV. There was Smallville. Yeah. And that was early enough. We probably didn't even get the the final capitulation of, all right, fuck it. Bring Jeff Johns in. Uh, write me a Booster <laughs> Gold episode. <laughs> write me. Yeah. yeah. Fine, we'll stick Green Arrow in it. Fuck it. Who cares about Green Arrow? <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> Amazingly. <laughs> so you, you couldn't get stuff like this on TV. And there was enough of the the Lost style mystery behind it to begin with. And I think that may have been part of the problem because Lost was the show it got compared to most often. Yes. And it was compared favorably, particularly in that first season, because yes, they're giving us the mysteries, but they're giving us the answers. So that uh, there's always a new mystery, but the answer is quick and coming. So it feels faster paced. It feels like there's really a plan behind it. And it turns out that was bullshit after the first (laughs) season. And I, I think because of that comparison, there was probably a decision at some point, okay, we need to tack in the direction of Lost with big, long, overarching mysteries. No, it's a fucking comic book. Yeah. Do it as a comic book. There's enough mysteries in any comic book. You do it. Yep. The end of issue one. Here's a cliffhanger issue two. Here's how it goes. And just keep doing it. Well, it began to suffer. The truncated season two didn't help for a variety of reasons, but it began to suffer from a certain level of decompression with those storylines that the first season did not have a problem with. Yeah. And it's it's like what happens with comic books. Is can you tell it in a six issue arc? Can can you just <laughs> Yeah, can you can you give me the odd one and done? That wouldn't suck either. Yeah. Hopefully we won't have those issues since they're containing this to half a season's worth of story. Yeah, it the way it's structured plays to what Kring has displayed his strength is with this universe. Give me a beginning, give me a middle, give me an end. And if it hits hard, then great. Plan another one in a couple years. Take your time with this. Yeah. Develop it out and do it again at that point. Maybe by that point, uh, Nashville's gone under and you can bring Hayden Paniateri back or, you know. Yeah, she'll be y- off like saving the dolphins somewhere and having babies with her boxer heavyweight champion husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Good honor? <laughs> honor? I don't... I, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I will not testify in court. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, it, it plays It plays to what's potentially the strength. Yes. And again, I haven't gone back to revisit. I, I was tempted to pitch to you, and we just don't have time to do it. Yeah, we should go back through Heroes, watch one episode a week, and do like a second podcast just <laughs> talking about Heroes. <laughs> we don't have the time to do it. No, we but... don't. That'd be fun to do. Someday, you know, when when we hit the lottery or um, somebody realizes, other than you, gentle listeners, how awesome we are and pick us up for that nerdist money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's liable to happen <laughs> soon. Wait, tell some more cock jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't... Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> doesn't happen on an episode where, where you tell a guest, oh, no, we could use the C word here. <laughs> Cunt. The word is cunt, honey. You, oh. Like I said to him. <laughs> Quit smiling, you idiot. You're supposed to be a professional. All right. So, yeah, it, it's weird. If you'd told me yeah, even a couple months ago, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm going to kind of miss the, the Heroes Reborn panel. But, uh, yeah, it's, I'm telling you, if if you walked out of it, if you walked out of Heroes with the same feeling I did, where it's like, okay, I hung with it, I did it, but now, now we're done, and it's gone sideways, and it's not a good idea to bring it back. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. 
go back and look at that first couple episodes. Yeah. There's a lot in that first season. Do the first season and pretend the rest of it didn't happen. Maybe we'll get lucky and that's what'll happen with <laughs> with Heroes Reborn. Perhaps. But yeah, it's weird. I'm I'm looking forward to it and I I wasn't when it was first announced. Could still go sideways. Oh, it totally could. Ask any other season except the first season, but all right. Everybody gets one mulligan. Tim Kring, this is yours. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. How are we doing on time? Do we uh, want to uh, go straight to books or? Uh, we're at 52 minutes. Uh, it's your call. What do you think? Uh, we can talk about Spider-Man briefly. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just do it uh, relatively quick. A couple couple weeks ago, I was bitching and complaining. It's like, uh, no... you were bitching and complaining. Yeah, I know, hard to believe, but <laughs> it's my nature. I'm drunk most of the time. Think I'm awesome after about my fifth beer. You are awesome. Hey, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for thanking me. How'd you get to be so awesome? Uh, five beers. It's <laughs> amazing. But tell us about Spider Man, Uncle Rob. Well, well, no, I was, I was complaining. It's like, oh, it's tough to do these shows in the couple weeks before San Diego because there's no comic book news that comes out. They hold all of it for the convention. Then it's a big blast, and yep. then everything goes back to normal. But there's like a drought of news for like a couple of weeks. And yeah, Marvel had to go and fuck that up and <laughs> announce that there's going to be a Miles Morales Spider Man book set in the six one six universe after Secret Wars ends, and he's going to be called Spider Man. Now we we is it, is it really going to be the six one six universe? I thought the whole point of Secret Wars and Battle World is that there is no longer going to be multiple universes. It's just going to be the Marvel comic book universe. All right. Well, yes. If you want to suck the joy out of everything and be a submit, be a rules I lawyer. I just want to no. I I for my own clarification because if they're going back to the six one six, then I feel a little less badly. Yeah. <laughs> When I say 616, I mean the standard Marvel Universe. Okay. Uh, you're you're right. My understanding is Secret Wars comes out and whatever concept of a Marvel multiverse there was will no longer exist. Okay. So, yes, I use 616 as that shorthand. It's probably incorrect. Do you ever get tired of being right all the time, Amanda? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, How can you treat me like this? I'm your goddamn partner! Uh, at least you didn't play the Sugar Man clip. Oh, it's right there. Anytime you're ready. So Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's almost like we're talking about comic books I on know. this show. Shit. <laughs> it's almost like other people outside this room might be listening. All yeah. right. So yeah, it's going to be called uh, Spider-Man, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Sarah Pacelli, which is the creative team from the first few issues of Ultimate Spider-Man when Miles was introduced. When he was debuted, yeah. Right, back uh, toward the end of 2011. Now... One of the weird things about this news was there were some initial reports that Miles was going to be the only Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe, and that got certain people excited and certain people pissed off. Yeah, there was there was a giant yelling. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, no. if, if you parse the original announcement, it just says Miles is going to be Spider-Man, not that he's going to be the only Spider-Man. Now, first of all, that was always going to be the case. I never had a question about it, unless they wanted to go with giving him like a completely different name, like make him a Scarlet Spider type or something like that. But I don't think there's any way that they would possibly do that because there's a big contingent of fans who just wouldn't fucking stand for it. it would well, be I mean, Dan Slott took Peter's brain away for a while and replaced it with Doc o Doc Ox, and it's it was as though Armageddon had hit for. <laughs> yeah, but it would be a demotion. 
Yes. For Miles to be something other than Spider-Man. Yes. And not only would fans, I think, not really stand for it, Bendis, I doubt, would stand for no, it. No, he, he stands 100%, 110% behind this, this character, so I don't think that that would happen while he draws breath. Yeah, he's had said for years that part of what he loves about writing and having created Miles was he wants his kids to be able to have a hero that looks like them. Yeah. Which makes total sense. Absolutely. So to make him anything but... Spider-Man. But a Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be a demotion. And you can't make him a fucking sidekick. No. We tried a sidekick with Spider-Man. Was it Alpha? Oh, that was awful. It was an irritating abomination. Sorry, Dan Slott, if you're listening, nobody misses Alpha. Alpha fucking sucked. I don't think Slot missed Alpha. He killed him off how quick? Yeah, he moved him out real fucking (laughs) fast. It's like, and I've made a mistake. (laughs) And let's just replace Spider-Man with Doc Ock for a while and people will forget Alpha. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't call him Spider Boy for Christ's sake no, for, no, for a no, lot no, of no, 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 very no. important reasons. It's, yeah. So yeah, he had to be Spider Man. Now, again, it 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 doesn't say he's going to be the only Spider Man, and th- there were some other later reports that said that in the story Peter Parker is going to be mentoring Miles. Okay. Which is a reasonably solid indication that okay, well he'll be Spider Man. But to be fair, it doesn't say that Peter will continue to be Spider-Man. Maybe Peter's going to run him like Bruce Wayne ran Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> but as a patron saint, as a vicious taskmaster? <laughs> well, uh, I think... Miles, Miles, go fight Doc Ock. You're not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, this would give Peter the opportunity he's wanted for some time. Uh, at least in in various stories storylines where he he gets to just sort of live his life and take advantage of of his natural talents and (laughs) yeah and then somebody else can with his skill set can still be out there being a hero and he can still have a bit of a hand in but not have to devote his life to it and there's a precedent for that yeah in spider girl peter had become a police scientist because he was badly injured as spider lost his leg i think okay Uh, so yes on one hand there's a precedent for if he's injured he will retire but also the the first thing he does is okay well what can i do to continue to try to help people Mm -hmm. and yeah moves on to being a police scientist so there's a possibility and i can see if he comes out of secret wars maimed or something like that he may make that decision I don't think Peter Parker would ever voluntarily, while he has power, not use it to help yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with great power must come great responsibility. No one dies. Every single motto he's ever had, you know, except fuck you, Flash Thompson. <laughs> Give me a wedgie in the toilet. Well, you know, it's it's ingenious in a way. He He learned what it was like to try to mentor someone through the short run of Alpha. <laughs> Yes. So with another character to whom he would have to demonstrate responsibility as a mentor, get it better, get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and certainly Miles is a better person than <laughs> There's fucking <that> Alpha. Also. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's my impression of mentoring Alpha. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. That guy was a jackass! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> With God as my witness, I will remove that Hironakamura sound clip after this show so I don't use it anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
How is the podcast? Hour and a half of hi. I'm Kira Nakamura. I'm from the future. But I don't think I don't think Peter Parker would stop being Spider Man unless he's grievously injured or has his powers taken away. And the in level Secret Wars. the level of injury would have to be grievous because he's got a hell of a recovery curve. <laughs> well, even in Spider Girl, he would occasionally act as spider-man even though he was vastly underpowered with yeah. the artificial leg he would still do it if it was necessary so he would only hang it up if he couldn't do it anymore right that's just the character from a more practical real world standpoint nobody's seen dan slot standing on the roof of a building threatening to throw himself off his twitter i his twitter uh, picture is still of spider-man i'm pretty sure there's going to be an amazing spider-man book with peter parker very likely very that's likely. that's my guess and and even if that even if that doesn't happen right away, Miles being the only Spider-Man, I don't think that could possibly be permanent. Uh I, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, Marvel Studios really just went all in with Tom Holland. Yes. Yeah, you know, to play Spider-Man. Yeah, in they they Civil they War. fought hard to get back the rights to use Spider-Man from Sony. Right. So now they've got this joint par- partnership. Yeah. And and they have the right to use Spider-Man and the ancillary characters that were related to Spider-Man. Yes. So yeah, they've they've hired this Tom Holland individual. I, I gather his um, secret power is tap dancing. He was like Billy Elliot or some shit. Yeah. On Broadway. <laughs> he is. He is decidedly not playing Miles Morales. No. He is a British kid so white he could damage your fucking retinas. That's pretty white. That is. That is quite white <laughs> that is a white human being that is that is an anglo-saxon but that's, that's like how do you how do you term that like if you go to the paint store and you're looking for that shade of white what is that like cumberbatch white like what what is that that's like uh china white uh <laughs> i think that's heroin sweetie <laughs> uh, peruvian marching powder white <laughs> I, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I got no white sound effects here. I can't do anything with this. But... See, eggshell, off-white, blind my retina's white, supernova. <laughs> part of me part of me thinks part of the reason, even though San Diego is coming up, the reason they announced this when they did, it was just a couple days before Marvel Studios announced Tom Holland, and I, I think it was to mollify or throw a bone to that grassroots movement to get Donald Glover or somebody else, some other actor of color into the role of Spider-Man. Yeah. Now, that being said, I think down the line, we will see in our lifetime a Miles Morales brought to the screen. Oh, yeah. Something like that is is going to happen eventually. The, the Marvel Comics publishing line has been a pretty decent experimental proving ground as to how much changing characters like that the fans are willing to embrace. Mollify between... was a good word, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. I, I went to college. <laughs> I'm told. There's, they gave me a piece of paper at the end of it. Oh, okay. It was a restraining order. But... <laughs> but... Were you mollified? Um, I was pretty shit-faced, if you want the truth. <laughs> I needed to be driven home. But <laughs> true story, as I got my diploma, I threw the hang loose sign, you know, the thumb and, yeah. the, and the pinky, <laughs> my mother came over to me afterwards like did you flip off the crowd 
No, mom, I, I, I'm not nearly as drunk as you think I am. But no, I think mom, you're it was a gang sign. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> We're going far afield here. <laughs> so yeah, with with the stuff that that Marvel's been Marvel Comics has been doing with Jane Foster as Thor and Sam Wilson as Captain America, I think that it's a good proving ground that fans are willing to embrace those kind of changes. If Marvel Studios chooses to make them, yes. But this is Marvel fucking Studios, yeah. And they've been so successful; they've become so goddamn risk averse. They don't trust Edgar Wright to direct fucking Ant Man. Fucking Ant Man. <sighs> the last person who gave a shit about Ant Man was Brian Michael Bendis, <laughs> and that was only because, oh, cool, here's a character nobody gives a shit about that yeah. I can also kill at Avengers Disassemble. Yeah. Oh, hey, cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> nobody cares about, but Marvel's become really risk averse and they're trying to keep everything. Oh, we want to keep the fans in and make sure everything goes on this roadmap that we have going out to 2019. I can picture Kevin Feige with a completely straight face agonizing over who should play fucking D-Man in Civil War. <laughs> it's like, can we get Brad Pitt? Get Brad Pitt. But if he wants points, fuck him. He's got a really great Q score. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what a fucking Q score is. I, I gather it's something they use. Yeah, but you know who'd make a good D man? No, but anybody. Seth Rogen. Oh Jesus! Tell me that wouldn't be perfect. D man has always been pathetic. Okay, go he, on. He, he... <laughs> All right, there's one point. <laughs> he was also a jacked professional wrestler, kind of pathetic. So, so Jack Black. Oh Jesus Christ! No. <laughs> You are counting on our listeners to have seen Nacho Libre, and I, we shouldn't count on that. Fuck's <laughs> sake, we haven't should, seen it. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm, literally, I don't know who... Did. Channing Tatum will need something to do after Gambit tanks. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> he played a wrestler. <laughs> he also played Magic Mike. He's got all kinds of futures. He wants them. <laughs> but, uh, just get a goddamn wrestler. I mean... Was it Dave D. Batista? Wasn't he a? Yeah, well, he's already Drax. Right. So I don't know. John, um, I don't know any wrestlers. Is the problem? I don't give Brock a shit Lesner? about wrestling. I don't know. Is that a wrestler? <laughs> I think so. Or is that a male porn star? That's definitely a male <laughs> porn star name. I mean, there's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I have no idea. I don't know. What's Ric Flair doing these days? <laughs> is he the one who died? Somebody died. I don't know. <laughs> there, there's probably a Venn diagram of of people who follow wrestling and also follow comics. I'm not in it. Yeah, I know, and it's almost a circle. We're the outliers. <laughs> We're the ones who just. Uh, I, I like my cartoon violence to be actual cartoons. It's yeah. just how I roll. So yeah. I shouldn't have gone down this hole. Oh, no. a wrestler. Name a wrestler. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Yeah, okay, Hulk Hogan is D-Man. What's he doing these days? <laughs> uh, I think he's defending himself in court. Wasn't there a, a homemade porn movie or something that came out? Then he'll need money for the court costs. I think he was banging Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. I think was I heard he? that, honest oh, God. to God. All right. So, all right, clearly nobody can play D-Man. No. He is an ephemeral concept. He is too beautiful to be brought to film. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh God, I don't know. One way or the other, I'm glad this book is coming out. I mean, whether there's going to be, I definitely look. I'm an old school fan. You know, Spider Man was my first superhero, so 
I definitely want a Peter Parker Spider-Man. I can live if they decide, because I like Miles Morales. I think that version of Spider-Man is perfectly good. Yes. If they decide to take Peter Parker out of the action for a while, well, uh, I was fine through, uh, not Ultimate Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man. I'll be fine through that. But one way or the other, I don't want to live in a world where Brian Michael Bendis isn't writing at least one Spider-Man comic book. No, I think you're right. Dan Slott has done a really good job on the main title for the last several years, but I will hold Bendis's first couple of years on Ultimate Spider-Man up with any other Spider-Man oh, those were, books those ever. Those are great. Written. Yeah, the first two or three years of that were just must-read. Yeah, and it's it never got bad, not at any point. Yeah, and no, we've, it's a solid book. We've raved about the death of Spider-Man when when he actually killed Peter Parker. Oh. <laughs> And he's done great stuff with Miles Morales. So, yeah, I want Bendis Spider-Man comic books one way or the other. Yes. Um, and Miles, he's been a solid character. I, I liked him from the beginning. I liked him even better after the storyline where he was there where his mother was killed and he quit for like a year or so and got a little older before he came back. Because, yeah, seventh, seventh grade, eighth grade Spider-Man, that's kind of a bridge too far for yeah. me almost <laughs> i read them i was okay with it but it, it was it was almost a little bit too much because i was in seventh grade and i would get a boner and a strong breeze <laughs> that would fuck up miles swinging ability i'd worry about getting uh my braces caught on the the latex the spandex latex mask that would that would be a giveaway yeah that that would also uh, we both had braces can you i don't think you can get that that mask on over headgear <laughs> I, I don't think that would work well. <laughs> that would be kind of a giveaway. And you Is have, that an antenna? Having Are been, you a robot? Having been smacked in the headgear, I don't want Sandman to punch me in it. Yeah. It's a good way to lose every molar in your fucking head. Seems like it, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Try to run around being a superhero wearing a retainer. It's a good way to swallow it. <laughs> yeah. And plus, when I was in seventh, eighth grade, at that point I was in full puberty. The only thing I could think of was where I was going to stick my dick. It didn't matter. <laughs> Roll a duct tape. It's anything that would just sit there if I could convince it. You know, certainly, you know, oh, the, the building's on fire. Really? Are there girls there? Are they naked women's naked ladies? Please. Seventh grader is a superhero. Uh, there's not that much altruism in you. You're barely even a human being when you're in seventh grade. <laughs> I'd, seriously, I was I was the worst person in the world. I was a blob of protoplasm with braces. That's pretty much what I remember seventh grade. <laughs> I was dropping blobs of protoplasm almost everywhere I could get away with. I don't think my, my, my libido had that issue that yours did, but I was a girl. I'm a girl. Still am. <laughs> don't think I haven't noticed. I, I, I looked this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything else on? No, I think that that covers it. Okay. All right. Want to move on to books? Let's move on to books. All right. Which one do you want to start with? Um, I think in the spirit of having just talked about young, rebooted kinds of characters, not that Miles Morales is a reboot. He's been around long enough now. Um, We Are Robin. All right. Read that this week. All right. We Are Robin number one, uh, which we're actually... Kind of excited about coming out of C2E2 yeah. this year. Um, written by Lee Bermejo. Uh, let's see. Uh, art by George Jorge Corona. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway. It might um, be Bermejo. It might be like a, you know, J that's pronounced like an H. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> he doesn't return my phone calls. <laughs> so, 
Anyway. Anyway. Yes, uh, focuses on Duke Thomas, who's a character that we saw back in Endgame and uh, Batman Eternal. Uh, his parents are still missing after uh, the Joker attack in uh, Endgame. So he's in foster care, which is going exactly as well as every story about foster care that you've ever heard on the news would lead you to believe. Yes. Uh, he's bouncing home to home, school to school. He's alternating between getting in trouble and trying to search for his folks. Takes a side trip into Gotham sewers to look for him. Comes across one of the apparently 93 communities of winos being organized into armies down there. <laughs> That's just how they party in Gotham. If it's not crocodiles that have grown mutant after being flushed down the toilet, it's, it's hobo cult armies. It, it's organized hobo wino <laughs> cult armies. <laughs> uh, they grab them, they almost get the arm on them, and then we meet the we in We Are Robin. Yes. Um, first of all, I'm not going to bullshit you. I cannot read this title without hearing the farmer's insurance jingle. <laughs> We are Robin. Dun, 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 dun. I can't can't do it. And well, well, listeners, now you can't either. All right. So, what worked in this for you, Amanda? I really liked this character, uh, Duke Thomas. I, I feel that in him, we have we have a a rising new character to watch, who seems to to be resourceful, um, willing to use his head in addition to also know when when to lay the smack down if he has to i like i like his moxie in terms of continuing to look for his parents at all costs and and muddle his way through foster care as as best he can i mean they they the one thing that kind of was a little glaring was the willingness to go with like stereotypically awful foster care parents just that's just like ugh. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that seems like something out of like Law and Order Special Victims Unit. <laughs> like, oh look, we have somebody that's clearly doing this so that they can just make extra money. <laughs> that that was something that that jumped out at me. Um, but again, you hear enough stuff about foster care in the news. It's one of those double-edged swords. There are plenty of, I'm sure, perfectly fine foster families out there. Yeah. I I know at least one dude who I think has done it for a while. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you hear enough stuff in the news. It's an easy plot point. And it makes sense within the scope of the story. He would have to land someplace. Well, and it's it's Gotham City. So the exactly. worst parents in the world would easily be found. <laughs> yeah, the, the people with homes near stately Wayne Manor are not taking in foster children. No. At best, they're uh, buying themselves vanity kids from Russia. Right. So Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <sighs> in a massive city, yeah, like that, yeah, there'd probably be a decent percentage of yeah, okay, just give me the money and we'll feed the kids. And so I didn't. It, it jumped out as being stereotypical. I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. And again, if his parents are missing, that's where he'd land, unless there were other relatives. But i i enjoyed I enjoyed this issue. I i I did get a slightly, huh? Are they trying to draw Leslie Tompkins to look like? Uh, What's her face on Gotham? Um, Morena Baccarin. Thank you. Yeah. I, should, I should know that name. But yeah, but... well, they, they're definitely drawing her younger than she was pre New Fifty Two. Yes. So, but I I think what stood out for me was th they have a, a fairly well rounded character who did a lot to show his character rather than tell his character. Yes. Although there was a certain amount of voiceover that I required to be able to buy certain things. Yeah, I, I think I think when you have um, a book that's told purposefully from a 
first person narration, you were always going to have a little bit of of that unnecessary exposition about a thing. It, it's hard to get away from that. Yeah, but see, I we think, ran into that with the the new Constantine book. That's true, but I, I think some of it was necessary, at least for me, because it, it, we're shown and told that Duke's family, at least they're trying to raise him right and make sure you use proper grammar and make sure that you think of yourself as being a worthy, good person. Yes. And yet we open seeing him basically baiting a fight or once it starts, he's like, fine, I'll get right in. The first thing he says is not the first thing he says, but one of the first things he says is I get off on the adrenaline and that I could buy. If a, kid is raised in a certain way for him to jump from foster home to foster home and fight to fight. I mean, Endgame was not that long ago. Right. So this is immediately manifesting behavior. But it's also not unexpected behavior. If this kid has lived through a trauma, then he's going to try to come up with some ways to self-soothe. Some may be more destructive than others. Mine involved globs of protoplasm, but... (laughs) And then later Jack Daniels but my, my point is <laughs> definitely later <laughs> um, my, my point is this is a kid who in the face of that could be doing drugs he's not he could be you know engaging in other forms of self-destructive behavior getting into fights that would fall into that yeah and part of it is you also uh, in your life have worked directly with teenagers where yeah. I got away from teenagers by getting out of being a teenager <laughs> quickly as time would allow yeah so uh, you've got a, a perspective that i don't so there's there i find that there's a level of believability to the character because the and almost a precocious level because even as he's making poor choices he goes ahead and discusses how he knows it's a poor choice and it's going to come back to bite him in the ass he does it anyway <laughs> yeah and that's why i needed the narration the the internal monologue yeah. It, okay, you're doing this because yes, you're you're getting off on the adrenaline, and, and all right, there are certainly worse things I could be doing. All right, I, there's enough there for me to buy it. Yeah, I don't want him to have to play you know card based role playing games either, uh, which was one of his choices he laid out as a thing he could be doing rather than getting his ass beat. Guarantee a first draft of it was oh, it could be reading comic books. Guarantee <laughs> it could have been. The first it could have been. But there was there was some nice nerd nods in there too. He talks about um he, he makes. Veiled references to the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, the larger picture of who who are these Robins that that come to his aid at the end of the book? Who's running this team? Looks like there's somebody down in what could be a bat cave. You know, who's providing them with these uniforms because they all have some form of uniform that is a riff on the Robins unif- Robin Robin uniform. Yeah, for me that was the simultaneously the best and worst part of the book well there was something going on because at the beginning he was being tracked by this ephemeral sort of network of kids on cell phones that were texting each other as they surveilled him yeah it's for me the the best part was the mystery as to who's running all this yeah yeah my money just sort of off the top of my head is lucius fox because his family got fucked up by the end of batwing yep so i can see him having the resources and the recent background to to make the decision to take a more active hand in protecting Gotham. Yeah. 
it's at the same time it's weird because based on the panel we sat in at c2e2 i walked into this book thinking that the robins would be basically street level almost a a gang-like organizational response to gotham city because my first thought was all right like sons of batman and dark knight yeah then i stopped and thought even then yeah they were the fucking mutants until there was someone there to lead them i.e batman and right. becoming the the sons of batman so it makes sense here but so yeah well i while i like the mystery i sort of walked in thinking you know, okay what kind of gang of robins what kind of weird street gang decided we have to deciding we have to protect the city could gotham city produce on its own yeah and it, it looks it's it's hard to say the the panel where they show the equipment locker with all of the uniforms either the the person running the place is in shadow or as a person of color it's hard to really deter determine yeah it could be wearing gloves it's hard really to know right other than they they seem to be male based on the silhouette of the head but again hard to know yeah <laughs> no we're, we're not meant to have any idea yeah. my lucius fox idea i'm just sort of stabbing in the dark based on comics from the last year or so but I, I I love the idea, I love the concept of it. Uh, so I'm I'm going to be curious to see how this plays out over the next few issues. Bruce Wayne had the the money and the means to become this sort of uber vigilante. Right. These seemingly are street kids. Yeah. Who are still feeling the same call. Certainly. So who's bankrolling this for them? <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's why I said one of the best parts for me was was that mystery of who's behind it because right. I I don't think it's Bruce Wayne. It's, no. it, it's not his mo. You know, he gets one. That's just what he, <laughs> he gets one. Yeah. Well, he gets one, and then a few sort of amalgamate. He stacks up a couple. It's like, okay, fine. You're Nightwing. You're Red Robin. But there's only one Robin in at a given time. What was it? We were reading killed another Robin today. <laughs> oh Jesus! I forget. <laughs> I forget what that was. Oh, that was the old uh, the Batman Twitter feed. Oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is not really active anymore. But that was a great Twitter stuff. feed. <laughs> it will be tricky with this character because with sort of the hot headed, one way or the other, they got to pull the trigger on the parents thing. Yep. On it's not even an infinite timeline. It's they need to either find them alive, which I don't think is going to happen because then the story's over. He goes home and goes back to his life or does he well also possible but... because you know for a while tim drake still functioned as robin with a living parent that is true I mean, eventually they killed him but <laughs> yeah again infinite crisis but um, not infinite crisis identity, identity crisis. crisis god damn it i do that every time it's okay sweetie but uh, so I, I suppose that's a point he could become part of this find his parents and continue on it based on altruism which would arguably be a better outcome than if they find them dead because okay you've got a, a street kid with apparently a temper problem who's okay with fighting there's a reason i that, paid two dollars yeah, to say, kill jason todd you that, that leads jason, to jason todd doesn't you got it? a lot of jason todd going on there so yeah. and that's not a character i want to see happen again and there, i think but there's out of def the, definitely I, potential for that here i don't know i i see this kid more like a more like a Peter Parker. Okay. He's nerdy, it, but, but... He's nerdy, but kicking ass. Peter Parker after he gets his powers, because he has a mouth on him. <laughs> okay, you, you got a point. I can see that. 
you know, he's he he likes the geek stuff. There's a skill set. This kid clearly at some point learned parkour. <laughs> There's stuff going on. I think it's the law in Gotham City. I don't think Gotham City has a bus. I think or that's a their gym class. That's I, how you get around. They don't, you know the the Gotham City Public Schools um, does not have a health and wellness budget, really. So what <laughs> they, they do is they take the kids out to fire escapes and say, "All right, if you can jump all the way down and not kill yourself, you get an A." <laughs> We can't afford the ropes. They won't go all the way to the ceiling. So <laughs> that's just how everybody commutes. Why are you late to work? I'm sorry. The gargoyle on fifth was just jammed up today. I don't know how I'm going to get down. Tuck and roll, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. I guess you've you've got a point. I, I really ugh, just don't give me another Jason Todd, man. Just don't do it. I don't think it'll go that way. What did you think about the the art? I am not really sure about the art on this. It's not bad. You know, I it's not my favorite style. It's a little cartoony for me. Right. Um it's not as bad as as the the deep icky that Babstar gives me with Batgirl. Um <laughs> but it's it's in a similar vein in terms of that that stylized cartoon looking. <laughs> yeah. Now let's be fair. Babs Babtar's Babstar. Babstar. The- Oh, that third beer is hitting me. Um, <laughs> her her style is what it is meant to be. It is for a particular audience that is not working for us. Yes. So. But, I mean. So to say deep icky, I don't want to say the art in this or the art on that is crap. No, it's uh, it's not it's not to my liking. Okay. So deep icky for me. Okay. That's fine. This book does not have, I, I find... One of the things for me also where where Babstar's work on Batgirl doesn't work for me is it is stylistically and it, it's for a particular demographic kind of overly overtly feminine. Right. <laughs> True. And for for me I that's not my thing. It's just not my thing. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So on this there there isn't that edge to the cartoony. <laughs> yes. It's the card, yeah, it's simple faces, definitely cartoony and weirdly angular. And yeah, weirdly angular. <laughs> yeah, nobody's, everybody's wrist is as thick as a number two pencil. And there's a couple of moments, and again, I, I, I get that the kid has a good skill set as a fighter and does some parkour stuff. There, there's a moment where like he like tries to kick some thug in the head, where it's just like I don't think you can make that move in real life, like I, without breaking your hip. Now I'm old, but <laughs> even as even as a teenager, I don't think that I could have done that with my leg and not dislocated something. Yeah, there's there's one panel where he's jumping down from a fire escape, and I'm pretty sure he's got a couple extra joints in his lower arm. <laughs> but it's it's meant to be a cartoony style. It's it's not my favorite, but you know, it's I guess it's okay for what they're going for here. That's that's part of the other problem I had with this. I wanted more Robins. I paid four bucks for We Are Robin. We didn't see anybody until the end. It was just text messages and then a few of them and then a shot of some costumes that somebody clearly has a plan to build this up. Show me the gang, man. That's what, I, that's what I'm here for. I think we're going to get to that. <laughs> now, certainly we had to spend time with this this single character. He's going to be our entry point into this. Yes. And, and I I get that, but it's, it's another case of, okay. Well, it's, it's also, I think in terms of this kid's story arc, He's searching for his family. He wants his family back. So in the intervening time, he's eschewing all other attempts at giving him family. Rightly or wrongly. I mean, 
Yes. Um, so with this group, will he accept them as family or will he try to duck these guys as well? Yeah, I think ultimately for this to work, it's going to have to be fine. This is my family now until parents are found or found dead or whatever. Yeah. I think that's going to be part of the character arc that we see in this. Well, it, I think, you know, the, the the very title is supposed to imply, you know, strength through the many. Whenever you talk about Batman, it's I am Batman. I am the knight. I. <laughs> True. We are Robin. <laughs> what, you and me? I'm sure. In, I'm in no shape to do this. I'm a Robin. You're a Robin. He's a Robin. She's a Robin. Wouldn't you like to be a Robin too? Nah. We are Robin. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we are Robin. You know, it's. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, it's, it, you've, you've got a point there. I'm just saying, yes, he'll be our entry point into it. Show me the Robins. Make with the Robins. I got into this to see a street-level gang story. <laughs> street-level vigilantes calling themselves Robin. Giving me. Do it. Come on, do it. Do it. So what What, what do you want, Rob? <laughs> I, I'm confused by your meth- message. I... <laughs> it's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. That's what I want. <laughs> it's. It was not bad. I, I want to see where it goes. It was, yes. it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I do like the Duke character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I'm a little on my heels that I had to really accept some of the narration to really get the character. But again, you have a different perspective on that. You, you have more, Jesus, I was just going to say, you got more experience with teenage boys than I do. There, there's no way to make that, that sentence. That does right. not sound, that, that, that gets me on somebody's list. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, there's no way to make that right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I want to see more Robins, and I'd like to see more uh, show, don't tell, but at least what I was told uh, helped me understand where the character was coming from. So, yes. Not bad. I'll, I'll pick up another few. Okay. All right. The other, then, the other book we have is another Bat Family book. Yes. Uh, Gotham by Midnight 6. We talked about the first one a few months ago. Uh, we are entering into a new arc. Uh, still written by Ray Fox. Art now by Juan Ferreira. So, yeah. Uh, more Powers Corporation. Powers Corporation is fucking everywhere in the back. They books are. Now. Yes, because they're the Apple-like company, at least in this. They're yes. Apple-like <laughs> that uh, designed Batman's Robo-Bunny suit. Uh, they have a strange problem, uh, which is probably they, something they should have anticipated when they decided to create a new version of the guy whose bestest buddy is the goddamn Joker. <laughs> but they have a ghost falls a little outside of the realm of what Batman can deal with, so they call the Gotham City Police Midnight Shift to handle it, uh, because the Ghostbusters is still a Columbia Pictures property, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, uh, while uh, Detectives Corgan and Drake are trying to figure out how to stop the ghost, the rest of the team is out uh, simultaneously investigating a weird new flower that's popped up around Gotham, and getting ready to defend against a possible criminal charge from Internal Affairs with uh, some help from an old friend. Old friend of ours, not theirs. They they don't know. Yeah, her. I don't think I don't think we've we've seen her since the new Fifty Two. I don't think so. But so yeah, the thoughts on this one. I love this book. <laughs> I love this book. I love everything about this book. <laughs> I want this book to come out weekly. <laughs> you know why you love this book? Because in its own way, it it really is a little like Ghostbusters. It is. Yeah, they they treat the ghost problem. Like it's just a regular real world problem. It's not a weird supernatural thing that requires a lot of ceremony and bullshit around it. It's a job. Yeah. Dealing with them, it, it has rules. And if you do the right stuff, 
it gets the job done. It's Law and Order Supernatural Victims Unit. Yeah, but if you throw in the internal <laughs> affairs stuff here, yeah, now you've got a lot of Ghostbusters elements. You know, like Peck trying to get him shut down. Yep. It's internal affairs here. Well, if you if you watch any police procedural show with any regularity, there's always some storyline with IA coming in, not understanding what's going on and fucking with the main characters. Yes. <laughs> So it's it's a standard trope of any detective story. This is just one that happens to have fucking ghosts and weird stuff in it. Yeah. And by playing the entire thing straight, as opposed to Ghostbusters, it jacks up the horror, which is more appropriate for a Gotham book. Absolutely. You fucking hear me, Batmite? You <laughs> filthy motherfucker. <laughs> Not all books are for all of us. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Breathe. Very deep cleansing breaths. It's, it's all going to be all right. <laughs> gonna be okay no i just this this book was tight and it it does lead into things that will be important down the line that are larger but in and of itself if you haven't for some reason read the first six first uh, five rather yeah this is a great place to jump on you you learn about the characters like you, you don't need to come in knowing anything about the characters yeah. Really? Yeah, no, this I thought this would be a really good jumping on point because the ghost story piece of it is a complete one and done. Yeah. So you get a complete story out of it, but you also get to see everybody operating on their own. Plus the beginning of it, the funeral of, what was it, Sister Justine? Yep. Uh, who was one of the original members of the Midnight Shift. It, it gives Fox an excuse to have people pour over some of the events of the first arc yep. and talk about char what characters did during that. So it, it's a good excuse to have exposition to introduce what the characters are about in a reasonably natural way. Yes. So it's as a jumping on point, I thought there was a lot here to inform this. And in this book, Corrigan, while, while he hasn't fully made peace with the fact that he is the, the vessel of the specter, is more willing to utilize that power if he needs to. And it, the specter never fully comes out. Yeah. But it's it's there and and there's a tension from whether or not specter will erupt. Oh yeah, that's pretty palpable. Yeah, character-wise I like Corrigan a lot in this. The idea of the specter as that they basically call it a nuke. You're yeah. carrying a nuke. Get out of the city. <laughs> no, no, I tried. I can't. <laughs> You know, just sitting there waiting to take over and Corrigan trying to operate to reduce sins and the need for retribution to keep this power under control was kind of interesting to me. It's not anything new. I mean, it's kind of similar to Jason Blood and Etrogen. Yep, yep. It's kind of similar to Bruce Banner and the fucking Hulk, but just because it's not brand new doesn't mean it doesn't work. Well, there's a level of of menace here that is literally biblical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if 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 Hulk arrives physically, your town will be smashed up. Yes. You can rebuild. If Spectre shows up, you're all going to hell. <laughs> yeah, and there will be scorched salted earth left behind you. Yeah. That's that's a different level of stakes. <laughs> Yes, it is, but it's not an unfamiliar level of stakes, <laughs> and it's not necessarily a level of stakes I remember seeing a lot with the Spectre. Now, the Spectre's not my favorite character in the world. I've not read everything in the world about him, whether it was Jim Corrigan or when it was Hal Jordan. Christmas Allen. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but it's it, it felt relatively fresh to me. I could be way off base, and we could get emails from people. Oh no, back in the Adventures into Mystery in 1958, I don't fucking know. But um, I mean, it's it seems right to me based on what I've read. I'm, again, I'm I'm not um a hundred percent well read on every single minor Spectre arc. Yeah, but it's 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 a fairly black and white character. Well, you, you sinned or you did not sin. Well, and the thing about the Spectre is just looking back into his history that I admittedly don't know everything about. As a character, it's an easy one to make boring. You know, yeah. Okay, there's a mystery and the cop goes to solve it and then the power of God comes and wipes him out. Yeah. The, the idea of, oh, oh no, it, <laughs> just because it's the power of God doesn't mean it's something you want and I really <laughs> better do something to stop it. Right. Yeah, that, that feels a little bit different to me. Yeah. Again, it's it, I'm sure... Hey, listener, if if you know awesome Spectre tales I should be reading, hit us through Facebook or something. E- email me because I, I don't have the history. This one felt pretty cool to me. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, but it also it felt it, I feel like it's a character where where, where, I, where I've seen him. Um, Yeah, he's he's like anchovies. You don't need a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's enough that he's there, but you don't base the whole meal around him. Right. <laughs> Whereas here, a lot of it's based around him. Yeah. But there's enough other cool stuff going on. And the characterization of trying to deal with it, it worked for me. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did have a problem with, I I work in tech. <laughs> I've worked at companies that do tight deadlines. I've even worked at a company where it's okay to keep a bottle in your desk. Uh, and whiskey o'clock starts at five o'clock every day. Um, I've worked for a guy that rolled his car completely shit-faced on his way home from work on a Thursday. But the idea that a middle management guy would hand out speed to make a date, that really that that doesn't work for me. Maybe at the manufacturing plant in China. <laughs> that might be different. But yeah, in eastern Massachusetts, the motto is kind of you you ship it with bugs and you patch it later. Yes. That's how business gets done. Ask Rocksteady Studios and Arkham Knight on the PC. <laughs> it's that being said, I, I suppose, you know, much much like you were at a company that turned a blind eye to bottles in the desk, there may be companies out there that turn a blind eye to you've you've got speed in the desk. Oh, who knew? <laughs> and make no mistake, that middle manager who rolled the car would give me whiskey. But <laughs> but it wasn't to make the date. It was No, it, I it was it was a was different awesome, situation. <laughs> but well, at that company, it seemed more as though that was how everybody decompressed because of this kind of all-hands shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it didn't quite ring true for me. It, it works well enough, you know, and people are well enough aware in the software computer industry of, you know, oh, all-hands, and you put in ridiculous hours sometimes that it, it works for the story. Yeah. But as somebody who's worked in, in that environment... I mean, Jesus Christ, if, if I told somebody I haven't slept in two days, they'd call an ambulance. <laughs> you're useless. You don't even know your own name. And you've been hitting that bottle in your desk, you sack of shit. You're... Yeah, say you haven't slept in two days and you smell like whiskey. You should go home. Yeah. <laughs> Let me call you a cab. We'll send another cab with your shit. But, and, uh, God damn it, it's good to see Kate Spencer again. Yeah, so at the end, in order to help with their, their IA woes, they call in Kate Spencer, and that was that was great to see. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure... I'm not sure if we've seen Kate Spencer since the New 52. I'm pretty sure we've definitely not seen Manhunter since no, we have the not. New 52. But I'll tell you this. If DC is trying to get some of that Marvel inclusion goodwill that they've had for the last year or so 
I give it a grand total of three, four issues before we before we see Manhunter here. That would be great. And yeah, if we can bring <laughs> Mark Andreco in to get a hand, a co-writing thing on the first couple issues, yeah. we see that because I really I like that book. I like the backup feature. I forget what it was a backup feature of when. When DC was uh, just before they did holding the line at two ninety nine, right, they said, right. "Well, the the books are four bucks, but we give you a backup feature." There was some some of those backup features I miss, man. Yeah. At this point, we're paying four bucks for almost everything anyway. Right. Just bring that back. But yeah, it, I enjoyed this one, and uh, I missed one or two of them between one and this one. But yeah, this this should make our way into one of our polls. Yes. It's a, definitely a different kind of Gotham City story, but. It's I think it's, it's Ghostbusters with cops and less humor. Yeah. And it's hard to those are weird elements, but they they work. It it scratches a particular itch for those who like Gotham as a character. Yeah. And also enjoy some of the more supernatural titles that DC run. Definitely. So that yeah, I, like I said, I love this. I wish they would publish it fucking weekly. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure to, to add it to the polls to throw our support behind it. Okay. All right. Got anything else? How are we doing on time? Uh, I think we're at 142. All right. It's a good place to call it. Considering we did two and a half hours. And again, thanks for hanging in on last week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was really a lot of fun, and I think it was a good show, but uh, that's a long time to, to ask people to listen. Yeah, we'll so. let you off a little early tonight. Yes. So... <laughs> Uh, once again, we did a complete remodel, so no matter where you found this show, uh, check us out at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We got some cool new stuff going on there. We're proud of it. Yes, we are. Uh, we are also on Facebook. You can find a link to our Facebook page at our home website, and mm -hmm. we do respond to messages through there. We do. We are on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, our Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Look at you remembering stuff. Oh, God. It's like there's no alcohol-related brain damage at all. Yeah, like I'm not causing it right this second. <laughs> we are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. You can find the show on iTunes. If you do find it there, do us a favor. Uh, give us a review. Uh, give us a rating. Helps other people find the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, we like hearing from listeners one way or the other. Yes. You can find us on iTunes Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. We are. I miss anything? I think that's everything. All right. And I guess that will do it. This has been episode 76 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And I have a message for you. Okay. Um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry. And I'm armed. I'll take the sound effect off, I swear. <laughs>